Hi everyone, welcome back to the My Modern Met Top Artist Podcast. I'm art historian and My Modern Met contributing writer Jessica Stewart, and I'll be your guide through the minds of today's top creatives. So, what's in store for us today? The art of movement. If you think about it, ballet has long been an inspiration for artists. Just think about Edgar Degas and his beautiful paintings of dancers. But when you think about recent dance photography, there's perhaps no one doing more exciting work than Omar Z. Robles. We've been covering Omar's groundbreaking photography since 2016, when his explosive images of ballet dancers on the streets of New York went viral. Since then, we've been following him around the world, from Buenos Aires to Cuba to Melbourne and Hong Kong, as he captures the spirit of ballet dancers and their interactions with the urban environment. With a background in gymnastics and mime theater, he actually studied under Marcel Marceau, movement has always been a part of Omar's life. How this then translated into his work as a photographer is a fascinating story of transformation and seizing the moment. So let's jump in with Omar and hear about how he's been able to marry street photography with classical ballet and how this has brought him across the globe. One thing that really intrigued me about your background that I'm sure you get asked about a lot is the fact that you have a background in mime. You actually studied uh, mime theater under Marcel Marceau. And I'm super intrigued about this. I've actually never known anyone that's studied mime theater. So tell me a little <laughs> bit about how, what brought you down that path? And, you know, you performed for many, many years. Yeah, um, I, that's definitely a question that I get asked a lot. And, and I think many people have the same, the same uh, outtake on it. It's like they've never known a mime before. <laughs> um, and sadly, I think it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a last uh, or lost um, art form. I know there's there's definitely a lot of influences of mime in movies and in theater today and in, in ballet and in the opera and in the circus world. There's definitely a lot of influence uh, of, of mime, but it's definitely something that it's sadly been being lost uh, as, as we speak. Um, there's many reasons for that, but um, mime is a, is a very intriguing and beautiful art form where you it's, it's really not about about a game of charades or trying to you know make people guess what you're trying to show but really it's about trying to make people connect uh, with you on a deeper level where um, we are all communicative beings where our main means of communication is really primal it's it's physical it's you know you see someone walking towards you from a distance and you automatically know if they're happy sad angry uh confused you know and and that's all transmitted through physical language through you know nonverbal communication growing up i i i i was intrigued by magic and storytelling and the mm-hmm. body and um and i was a gymnast growing up so mine was a way of combining you know all those elements and using you know my physicality that i had acquired through gymnastics and the storytelling that I have learned from from magic and and you know telling jokes when I was a kid and really combining those elements into finding a way to capture an audience, capture you know the imagination of an audience through um, an art form that again it's really about emoting um, or evoking emotion um, and and really trying to relate to people in a very primal um, and instinctual manner. Well, hearing you talk like that, it it's very clear actually now how even just from an early age, whether it's gymna- from gymnastics to then moving into mime, that movement has such been an important part of your life. And, you know, about 
I would say six years ago now, you really started with a concept that has brought you a ton of acclaim, which is bringing classically trained ballet dancers into the city in an urban setting and having them perform and, and shooting the dynamism of their movement. So how do you leap from, you know, you're a mime, you're doing performance art, and then you make the leap to doing photography. And I know you were doing a lot of great editorial work prior to hitting on um, this concept, but what brought you to that moment that you decided, this is a great idea. I should go out and do this. I should go out and focus on dancers. Yeah. So in short, um, while I was doing editorial work and, and different things, I was I was also doing personal work as a street photographer. I'm going out in the city and photographing people in their natural, you know, environment and you know, reacting to to everyday life and so on and so forth. Um, and while I thought there was def something great there for sure, I also saw a lot of routines and a lot of um, patterns that I I found that needed to be broken. There, there needed to be an interruption of, of everyday life. Uh, even though New York is kind of that place where everything is sort of an interruption, um, where to the point that even nonsensical things where in, in other cities people would stop and look in New York is like, oh yeah, it's happening. And you know, people keep, keep going because it's, it's just normal. Um, uh, but then dance, you know, brought for me a, a real way to, to, you know, break with that monotony and with that routine and and bringing something uh together that that normally wouldn't be together but when you when you combine combine those things then you get the beautiful lines of the the dancers and and the those leaps those you know giant leaps um and combining them with like everyday life and and it turns into something that in my imagination is how life should be you know we shouldn't just get used to like going to the train and going to the you know to, to our jobs and, and so on and so forth the same way as always you know it's like why can't we dance why can we do and you know to be honest in in everyday life I used to be that person and I still kind of am that person sure. like I find myself um we don't do that anymore like lines in the bank right but when I used to go to the bank I was the guy dancing in the line and people would look at me like what the <laughs> what the hell is this guy doing? But I was the guy, like, she's like, and I still to this day, like, even my wife catches me, like, in the train or something like that. She's like, what are you doing? It's like, oh, I'm sorry. It's like, I, I catch myself of moments, you know, of like, um, this solitary moments in public that I, that I, that I, that I'm, that I'm doing. Um, and, and I think why not, you know, even though we see someone like that and it's like, oh, he's acting crazy or she's acting crazy. He's like, no, they're, they're living life, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think there's such joy in dance and movement. And I think, and when, as we tend to get older, maybe we lose some of that spontaneity for fear of judgment. So, yes. as you said, people might be outwardly saying, oh, that guy's crazy. But inside, they're saying, oh, I wish I, wish. <laughs> I, wish I could do that, <laughs> you know? So, exactly. I mean, and maybe that speaks to why your images have been, been such a big hit and resonated so much with people. I mean, those first that first set that you did in New York City hit really big. I mean, when did it sink in for you that, oh, I've hit on something that could be really important? Um, I think, to be honest, there was a moment there where I was thinking of stopping doing it because um, I was, you know, my audience was divided between my, my street photography work and documentary work and then when I was doing this. So it would fluctuate, but 
when when I saw that it was started to get picked by media and I got like interviews from Mashable and from Instagram and from other uh, news outlets, then I realized, you know, maybe there's actually something there that people are latching into or people are um, honing into and, and, and I, I should keep exploring it. Um, and I think that that was basically it. And then as I keep going and I and I read comments from 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 people it's for me brings it back home every day because you know you you get you get um i do what i do with joy and i and i would rather not do anything else uh, but certainly because of the social media algorithms and stuff like that sometimes you get lost in the machine and you're like oh i don't know you know like what's happening and like you, you try to d redefine your path and then you get a comment from people saying it's like you make my morning every day like i see your pictures right. and they transform my day uh, or they transform my afternoon and they make me feel that there's there's hope and there's beauty in this world and i go back to those comments and i'm like all right you know this this makes sense. I, I'm actually doing some good for people. And, and that's really what I keep, you know, thriving to do. That must be incredibly rewarding. I mean, just to name a few of the cities that you've been to, uh, we have Rio de Janeiro, Prague, Mexico City, uh, you've been to Chile, Melbourne, Buenos Aires, Hong Kong, Havana, and I could go on and on and on. Um, what are some of the biggest differences and then also commonalities you found with these dancers in these different cities and countries you've been to? In terms of the similarities, I think that the, the one of the biggest or, or the biggest is that the dance dance is a very uh, codified language, so I can speak to them in that same physical or you know like artistic language of dance, and we will always find the same language. It's it doesn't matter if they if they don't really speak my language if I or or, or you know if I don't speak their language if I say uh, pirouette they know exactly what it is, and if I say let's do an arabesque they they know exactly what it is. So in that same we always find a very common. Um, point of view, um, but I would say the, the the biggest difference that I would say that that I see is the way the arts are um, appreciated um, and funded in different countries, and you really see that uh, in in each different place. You know, where in Cuba, for example, the arts are like a priority, and you see that the the dancers, even though they might be striving, but their technique and and it's very rich, and and they live for what they do. They they're very passionate and um and and they're very strong. Uh, you go to places like maybe um, Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, where you know they're just as passionate, but they don't have the resources. And all of the dancers, they, you know, they were telling me they had not been paid for months because they the, the way mm. the companies, the 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 local company or the government company is structured, uh, they only paid like dancers that are on the payroll because you know if you're working for the company you're a government employee so and you can only be a government employee if you have like certain tenure i guess so they, mm -hmm. they they're basically paying retired dancers that are not really part of the company anymore like actively or that i you know do one role or, or here and there but they're not actively in the company and then the young dancers the new dancers that are like there every day rehearsing and performing right. they're not getting paid for months so you know those things really like strike uh, and you see the un in imbalance or um, how art is a priority in certain places and in other places it's not that much a priority right well it's definitely an interesting anthropological way to look at different different cultures and how they as you said value or don't value um, the arts and the artists I mean for you 
what is it like as an artist and how how's it been fulfilling for you to work with other artists because these dancers of course are great artists in in their own right and it's sort of a beautiful collaboration um how does that how do they push you yeah you know for me as being an artist before being a photographer or that's difficult because being a photographer is also being you know it's also an art for but but being a performance artist um, and being in front of the camera for many years before actually taking a camera, um, when I started photographing, one of the things that I told myself or, or that I really enjoyed it was just photographing other artists. It was showcasing not only a person but their craft and 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 really highlighting what they did. So whether it is a musician or a sculptor or a painter or a performance artist, really I find a passion on, on telling someone else a story from that from that point of view because again I've been on that side and I and I wanted to be, you know, I, I wanted to have a megaphone uh, when I was on that side. So being able to be that megaphone for other artists as as a photographer then it's something that I'm very passionate about. So whenever I'm working with with um, with dancers, then for me, I feel like that collaboration is even more important because, uh, again, I'm, um, I'm, I don't want to say I'm giving a voice, but I'm definitely giving a channel. Well, that's wonderful. And I think that, you know, for a wider public, it's great because you're really, you know, when we think of ballet dancers off the top of our head, we, you think in a very structured way, and the way that you're able to show them in a sort of contemporary urban setting where, you know, unexpected setting sort of brings that craft, I think, to a whole new set of eyes that maybe would not be purchasing tickets to go uh, to see a performance. And so it's at the same turn exposing perhaps dancers to the idea of using these channels, but then also exposing the public to an art form that they might have considered previously to be, you know, stuffy or old fashioned or, or what have you. Yeah, definitely. And and, and that's uh, an experience that I've had in many, many different ways where, uh, for example, when I was in Mexico, um, people would gather around the photo shoots, um, something that I've never happened to me before, but like <laughs> literally people would gather around and then I would be so busy photographing and I, I didn't notice. And then when I lift up my eyes, there was like a crowd around us and, and people started <laughs> clapping when we finished. So that's, that's definitely an experience that I hadn't had before. Um, but yeah, I think there's, there's, uh, there's something there about bringing an art form that it's been often, um, elitist in a, in a very very strong way where only sure. certain people can enjoy it and being it being able to bring it to to you know to the streets and with people um and for me when i see ballet i think it's interesting because i don't really see what many other people see where people think about repertories and repertoires i'm sorry and they think about you know like balanchine and and so on and so forth like i really don't think about any of that stuff when i see ballet for me i see ballet more of as a a, a moving sculpture and that's what I'm trying to, to, to create. Beautiful. So you, you mentioned that Mexico, particularly the reaction was different. And one of, one of my questions was actually what has reaction been like on the street? You know, I could picture New York, maybe New Yorkers being a bit more jaded, as you said, they've seen everything other places, perhaps being a bit more intrigued um, outside of Mexico. Is there anything, you know, interesting that stuck out with you about how people reacted while you were shooting? It's always it's people are always fascinated, even in New York City, even, you know, you you say it, we say it as a joke that people are jaded, that people have seen everything because they kind of have. But at the same time, there's also this 
this aspect that because New York is New York, then people think that anything and everyone that is being photographed is sort of a celebrity. So oftentimes when they, they see me photographing dancers, people would stop and is she a famous dancer? <laughs> you know, like, is she a famous person? And the funny thing is that and and not to not to brag, but oftentimes, you know, the dancers go like, no, he's the famous photographer. Uh, um but the reactions are, are there's always people are always surprised. People are always happy to see this happening. In in Mexico, for example, again one of the curious things that have ever happened to me is that suddenly I see cops coming. I'm like, oh no, they're going to like <laughs> um, stop this. And then they started stopping traffic so that I could keep photographing. Oh. I was like, wow, <laughs> like I didn't even ask for this. It's like they're just coming and 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 really allowing this to happen. Um, so for the most part, it's it's usually a very warm welcome because again, you're bringing something that people don't necessarily have access to, and and they are they're happy to see it. They're happy to 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 have it being part of their day suddenly. Well, it's interesting because the entire shoot becomes a sort of great performance piece. You know, obviously, yeah. um, those of us who aren't there in the moment, we see the final product, but you do a really great job of often publishing behind the scenes videos and sort of writing up the experience to bring us into that. But it's really interesting how, like you said, this thing sort of disrupts the moment in people's day and hopefully gives them uh, some joy on there as they yeah, go about and, and- let me share one more story with you. Like mm-hmm. even recently, um, I was here in New York and and I was photographing. And in the middle of this, you know, craziness that's happening. Um, there's less people in the street. There, there's streets are especially in the morning. The streets are a little bit emptier. Um, so I was photographing a dancer um, near Broadway, and I see this this family um, and and um, the, there's this, a, a woman, a dad, and and the two you know and, and two kids. And usually men are very you know manly and they try to you know like play it off but then there was like the father was like really really like like astounded by everything that was happening and the kid was also and then the the mom was like you know I was just teaching my 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 son this morning about ballet and then to see you guys here it's incredible that you know like the coincidence and that he gets to see it live all of a sudden and you could see that definitely they were like a lower income family so to see them um so um overjoyed to to to, you know to see that mother and that father so overjoyed that they they were talking to their son earlier that same morning about performance arts and about ballet and then see it happening in the streets uh and that same day it was uh, it was like something crazy for them well it must be super rewarding as a photographer to have those experiences and i'm sure just as you mentioned as the feedback online but i'm sure those in-person experiences are super motivating to, to keep going with everything I really wanted to touch on and talk to you about a specific series that you did. Uh, we've, you know, written a lot about different countries that you've gone to, but one that touched me in particular, you were you were born and raised in Puerto Rico and you've been several times there to shoot. But what really struck me were were the ones you took after about six months after Hurricane Maria, which I feel like was extremely personal photos. And, you know, just seeing the sort of devastation on the island, I'm sure it had a big impact. So can you share a little bit about your experience, um, about what motivated you to go back after this tragedy and sort of what it was like to be there? Uh, yeah, um, it was in 2018. I think it was in February that I went to the hurricane. I think it happened in September 2017. Um, and, um, I mean, I wanted to go immediately, obviously, because my family is there, all of my family is there and I wanted to go immediately. Um, 
to go and and be there with them and uh, in a way be able to also tell the world about what was happening then you know in february i was not really going there to photograph when i go to puerto rico i go there just to be with family just to sure. to, 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 to to but i always photograph because i cannot stop photographing <laughs> um and and at that moment you know i i had um i had a friend that uh, that um works for the photo store adorama and and they have a series called through the lens so i was already going there and i was already thinking of photographing based specifically on on, on to highlight places where the hurricane um um devastation was still evident um but um so it was funny because they they were trying to um, they have done through the lens in many countries um, and they were saying like, oh, we're doing it back in the United States. Uh, so if if you're going to any U.S. you know state and that is not New York, that, can you let us know so that we can do something? I was like, well, I'm going to Puerto Rico, which is part of the United States. Yes. So you might as well come. Uh, and they were like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. So they came and it was good because then it helped me. Um, even broadcast the message even wider than than just my network, but also broadcast 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 it to a, like a larger audience through their channel as well. Um, so we went out to, as I said before, different communities that were still struggling with the with the aftermath of the of the hurricane and 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 yeah, we, you know, it was just about highlighting and telling the world those stories that 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 needed to be told. And it was of course personal for me because Puerto Rico is you know it's my home is with these are my sisters, my brothers, um, and my friends that, that, that are there suffering. So I really uh, took it too hard to, to tell that story. Yeah, uh, the images are incredibly touching, especially when you see the sort of grace and elegance and strength of these dancers, and then the background of, you know, buildings that have been abandoned or the rubble, and just thinking about the strength that as a population, they they have to sort of get through this tra- tragedy. Um, and, have you? And to add, to, sorry, sorry. To no. add a point to that, there's also a moment that, that I, I it was also important for me to not exploit the situation sure. um, in a in a bad way. So that's why also I I gave it some time and I didn't go right right after. Um, I also took time to to let it sink in to let people mourn. As well, and I think also that's very important, um, especially now in social media. Um, people often see situations like that, and they they see, okay, this is going to have a lot of eyes in, uh, on the media, so right. I'm just going to jump there and try to, you know, create something um, based on that subject. And 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 I think that's also unfortunate that people do sure. that because you are profiting to a certain extent of a tragedy. Um, so. You know, so you have to play that fine line. It obviously you want to bring attention to to social circumstances or social social situations like that, but you want to do it in a way that is responsible and you're respecting um, the people that are going through that. So that's why you know I I also didn't go right away. I waited for several months. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I mean, I think certainly the way you did it, um, and also your connection to the place, makes perfect sense and, and was very respectful. Another series that I was interested in exploring is a bit different than some of your others, and that's um, the Bear Sky Dance that you did several years ago. And so in this series, it's slightly different in that, one, instead of being on the city streets, you were up on a rooftop, and two, uh, the dancers were, were nude. So what 
where did the catalyst for this come from? And um, how was it interesting and different to capture sort of the raw human form in motion as opposed to what you're usually doing? Definitely. So I've always been attracted to nude photography. I've always loved nude photography and nude artwork because it it's, it's definitely like shows a different vulnerability. It shows um, the human body and the human connection in a very different way um, that, I mean, we have to accept certain things, but but nudity it's something that is part of us is we are born naked we are sure. we live naked we cover ourselves just because we're told to do it but you know we are that this is our body this is part of who we are or this is who we are um so i've always been really intrigued by 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 showing the body in its most natural form um and um since i was young i was a fan of like people like spencer tunic for example who i've had uh the the chance of working with uh on the recent years so the nude uh, photography is always something that it has interested me um and um and i had been you know thinking about the idea you know especially in the summer the rooftops are like the places people want to be um it's it's it, it has a certain sense of freedom and it also showcases the city in a very different aspect um uh, so i've always had like that idea and i and i you know toyed with it for several summers until one day, you know, I found that the best way to start a series is just by starting it. Uh, mm -hmm. Not saying that you're going to do it, not thinking about it, but just like taking the first steps and then things start to align. And that's basically what happened with that. I kind of like um, mentioned it to a dancer and she told me that she was staying at a friend's house that they had like rooftop access. I said, all right, let's just, you know, do the first photos with you. And I did that with her and then I posted those pictures and then a friend, um, Felipe from, from Instagram, he's like, he said, Hey, I, I have access to several rooftops because of my <laughs> uh, work. Let's, you know, like, let's get together and I'll, and I'll help you out. So he gave me access to a bunch of other, you know, places. And then some other dancers also had access to the rooftops. Uh, and then I realized that I had access to my rooftop in my building. So it, it took a life of its own when I just started that first step. Um, and it was, it was super, I mean, I really loved it because, um, for me, it was not about exhibitionism. I was not about putting the dancers naked in the street. Sure. Um, it was really about showcasing the possibility of being, you know, in that space and, and, uh, and the rooftops gave me a sense of being outdoor in the open, but at the same time in a private space where, you know, you wouldn't have like people lurking around. And even though at some points you, you would see people, you know, I'm sure there were the some binoculars, people. uh, pe peering out every once in a while. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, and then what turned out after that is that I, as opposed to many other series where I talk about my experience photographing that, 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 um, that series, I turned it around and I asked the dancers to yes. talk about their experiences. And what was very surprising is to hear a lot of them talk about being able to reclaim their bodies mm. because of bad experiences they had before. And that series and, and, and photographing with me in that setting allowed them to reclaim a, a space that they thought or they felt that they had lost. And, and it was unbeknownst to me. Like this is many of them, like I didn't even ask them about, you know, their past um, with sexual assault experiences or things like, things like that. Um, most of these dancers are dancers that had worked with me for many years. Sure. Um, and then when they opened up to, to about those stories with me and they, they felt, they said like, you know, I felt safe with you to, to, to reclaim that space um, and to say, you know, I am going to decide to be 
uh, naked and, and I'm going to decide what happens uh, with my body um, at this moment um, and how I share it with the world. And that was like an extremely empowering experience for them, but even, even more for me to a certain extent because I felt um, so responsible, but at the same privilege to, to have their trust, in, their trust in that way. Well, I think that speaks, you know, to the work that you do as a photographer, that you're able to build these bonds and, and this trust with people that they are willing to um, both figuratively and literally lay themselves naked and sort of take the risk to be to be vulnerable for you. And it's interesting that you that you mentioned the it's fact that... It's not safe for me, but let's say with me. Yeah, with you, with you. <laughs> well, it seems like you've been embraced so much by the dance community and it's great to see you doing other projects with them i noticed that this quarantine you've you've started doing your um your conversations with dancers on your instagram can you share a little bit about what that is and why you decided to start doing that yeah um so for me it was a it was a way to um do something related to to the work that i I've been known for um, all, all this time, um, but respecting the boundaries that we had set forth. And and it was really, you know, I wasn't trying to do the same, the same uh, old thing, but in a different way, um, like, you know, respectfully to other photographers. I wasn't, you know, I, I really didn't want to do something like, like virtual sessions or things like that, because I felt that was really trying to, trying to relive, a mo um, to bring back to life something that technically was dead, you know, in the moment because because of the whole situation. Um, right. and, and, and I can't find the other other words to express it. But I, th I found that it was doing something like that was a little bit forcing uh, something that could not really happen at the moment, uh, at least in my, in my uh, optics. So um, I found that maybe we, I, sh I could take this time to actually have a conversation and, and allow people to get the, the dancers to get to know the dancers in a more personal and, and deeper level than just a photograph. Um, so that's when I started working with the series and, and it's been so eye opening for me because not only the, I've, I've been able to allow people to get to know the dancers uh, more, but I've also known and learn more about the the rapport that I've built with these dancers, um, and and going back through our works and some people that I've worked with from the very beginning, and going back on our works and and reliving those experiences and then relieving each uh, session that we had, and seeing their side of the story, it's been really interesting. Well, it's great. Just adds a whole another dimension to your to your work. So. Where can people follow you and just tell everyone where they can see your work and how they can follow your adventures? Awesome. So people can follow me on Instagram as at Omar C. Robles. Um, you can also find my work on my website at www.omarcrobles.com. And you can also purchase prints uh, and signs, uh, small, you know, small magazines of my work. Uh, they're themed usually um, about my travels or different series. Um, and I have something like six or seven out right now, but I come out with a new one every every two or three months. So make sure to, to visit and, and support me that way. I think it's very important uh, to support your artists. So I yes. appreciate when people purchase and, 
and contribute uh, that way. And you can also find me on Patreon also. There's another way to uh, support my work and get to see works that I don't necessarily uh, share on Instagram. And it's a very, very a little bit of a more personable experience. It's fairly new. I started doing it not, not too long ago, uh, but I'm really trying to uh, cater there to a more personable and approachable uh, experience where people can ask me questions and, and, and I can show a little bit more what goes behind. Um, so yeah, those are the places that people can find me. I'm, I'm on Instagram. Right. Um, I'm also doing some uh, Lightroom tutorials and things like that to, to help new photographers as well. So yeah, those are the things that I'm doing now. Great. And we'll link all of that in the description so it's easier for people to find you. Thank you so much, Omar, for taking the time to chat with us today and open up your creative world. And we hope to have you back again sometime. Definitely. Thank you so much again for the invitation. It's always a pleasure to, to chat with you guys. That's another episode of My Modern Mets Top Artist Podcast. Thank you to Omar Z. Robles for taking the time to chat with us. You can follow Omar's work by checking out the links in the description. And as always, do follow us on Instagram at, at topartistpodcast, where we'll have some of the images that we spoke about today. We'll be back in two weeks with another interview with one of today's top creatives. As always, if you like what you heard, we'd greatly appreciate it if you took the time to leave us a review and rate the podcast, as it helps more people find us. And don't forget to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you'll be alerted when new episodes come out every other Wednesday. In the meantime, check out MyModernMet.com for your daily dose of art and culture. See you next time.